Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode we're going to read chapters 66 to 67 and in the previous episode we read chapters 64 to 65 and a quick recap of the previous episode was that uh, we left off on Frank I believe um, and you know I think that it was very fascinating to see that you know, we got to saw. Not only did we see from Frank's perspective how things are going with this entire trip to Epirus, but as well as seeing how Coach Hedge and what exactly is going on with Coach Hedge, because we've always seen him as this very tough and brave satyr that just doesn't care for the world and is just re- ready to beat up monsters. But it seems like his his. Uh, his outside life, outside of all the fighting and protecting kids and finding them a way back to Camp Half Blood, is a lot more inter- uh, is a lot more complicated than we might think it is, and it's very fascinating uh, to see how he's been able to hold up with all this until now. And I think that I really commend him for being so brave and being able to get through it all. And I have no doubt that he's going to be able to come back alive and safe and ever and all good and go back to Melly, his pregnant wife. So now we're going to go now we're going to read chapter 66 again from Frank's perspective and now they are certain they're planning to get to Epirus. So we are now going to see how that journey is going to go. So chapter 66, Frank. Despite the midday heat and the raging storm of death energy, a group of tourists was climbing over the ruins. Fortunately, there weren't many, and they didn't give the demigods a second look. After the crowds in Rome, Frank had stopped worrying too much about getting noticed. If they could fly their warship into the Roman Colosseum with ballistae blazing and not even a, cause a traffic slowdown, he figured they could get away with anything. Nico led the way. At the top of the hill, they climbed over an old retaining wall and down into an excavated trench. Finally, they arrived at a stone doorway leading straight into the side of the hill. The death storm seemed to originate right above their heads. Looking up at the swirling tentacles of darkness, Frank felt like he was trapped at the bottom of a flushing toilet bowl. That really didn't calm his nerves. Nico faced the group. From here, it gets tough. Sweet, Leo said. Because so far, I've totally been pulling my punches. Nico glared at him. We'll see how long you keep your sense of humor. Remember, this is where pilgrims came to commune with dead ancestors. Underground, you may see things that are hard to look at, or hear voices trying to lead you astray in the tunnels. Frank, do you have the barley cakes? What? Frank had been thinking about his grandmother and his mom, wondering if they might appear to him. For the first time in days, the voices of Ares and Mars had started to argue again in the back of Frank's mind, debating their favorite forms of violent death. I've got the cakes. Hazel said. He pulled out the magic barley crackers they made from the grain Treptolemus had given them in Venice. Eat up, Nico advised. Frank chewed his cracker of death and tried not to gag. It reminded him of a cookie made with sawdust instead of sugar. Yum, Piper said. Even the daughter of Aphrodite couldn't avoid making a face. Okay. <coughs> Nico choked down the last of his barley. That should protect us from the poison. Poison? Leo gasped. Did I miss some poison? Because I love poison. Soon enough, Nico promised. Just stick close together. 
and maybe we can avoid getting lost or going insane. On that happy note, Nico led them underground. The tunnel spiraled gently downward, the ceiling supported by white stone arches that reminded Frank of a whale's ribcage. As they walked, Hazel ran her hands along the masonry. This wasn't part of a temple, she whispered. This? This was the basement for a manor house built in later Greek times. Frank found it eerie how Hazel could tell so much about an underground place just by being there. He'd never known her to be mistaken. A manor house? He asked. Please don't tell me we're in the wrong place. The house of Hades is below us, Nico assured him. But Hazel's right. These upper levels are much newer. When the archaeologists first excavated the site, they thought they'd found the Necromantion. Then they realized the ruins were too recent, so they decided it was the wrong spot. They were right the first time, they just didn't dig deep enough. They turned a corner and stopped. In front of them, the tunnel ended in a huge block of stone. A cave-in? Jason asked. A test, Nico said. Hazel, would you do the honors? Hazel stepped forward. She placed her hand on the rock and the entire boulder crumbled to dust. The tunnel shuddered. Cracks spread across the ceiling. For a terrifying moment, Frank imagined they'd all be crushed under tons of earth. A disappointing way to die after all they'd been through. When the rumbling stopped, the dust settled. A set of stairs curved deeper into the earth, the barreled ceiling held up by more repeating arches. Closer together and carved from polished black stone, the descending arches made Frank feel dizzy, as if he were looking into the endlessly reflecting mirror. Painted on the walls were crude pictures of black cattle marching downward. I really don't like cows, Piper muttered. Agreed, Frank said. Those are the cattle of Hades, Nico said. It is just a symbol of look, Frank pointed. On the first step of the stairwell, a golden chalice gleamed. Frank was pretty sure it hadn't been there a moment before. The cup was full of dark green liquid. Hooray, Leo said half-heartedly. I suppose that's our poison. Nico picked up the chalice. We're standing at the ancient entrance of the Necromantion. Odysseus came here, and dozens of other heroes seeking advice from the dead. Did the dead advise them to leave immediately? Leo asked. I would be fine with that, Piper admitted. Nico drank from the chalice, then offered it to Jason. You asked me about trust and taking a risk. Well, here you go, son of Jupiter. How much do you trust me? Frank wasn't sure what Nico was talking about, but Jason didn't hesitate. He took the cup and drank. They passed it around, each taking a sip of poison. As he waited his turn, Frank tried to keep his legs from shaking and his gut from churning. He wondered what his grandmother would say if he could, if she could see him. Stupid, Faisang, she would probably scold. If all your friends were drinking poison, would you do it too? Frank went lost. The taste of the green little liquid reminded him of spoiled apple juice. He drained the chalice. It turned to smoke in his hands. Nico nodded, apparently satisfied. Congratulations. Assuming the poison doesn't kill us, we should be able to find our way through the Necromantion's first level. Just the first level? Piper asked. Nico turned to Hazel and gestured at the stairs. After you, sister. In no time, Frank felt completely lost. The stairs split in three different directions. As soon as Hazel chose a path, the stairs split again. They wound their way through interconnecting tunnels and rough-hewn burial chambers that all looked the same. The walls carved with dusty niches that might once have held bodies. The arches over the doors were painted with black cows, white, popular trees, and owls. 
I thought the owl was Minerva-sible, Jason murmured. The screech owl is one of Hades' sacred animals, Nico said. Its cry is a bad omen. This way, Hazel pointed to a doorway that looked the same as all the others. It's the only one that won't collapse on us. Good choice, then, Leo said. Frank began to feel like he was leaving the world of the living. His skin tingled, and he wondered if it was a side effect of the poison. The pouch with his firewood seemed heavier on his belt. In the eerie glow of their magic weapons, his friends looked like flickering ghosts. Cold air brushed against his face. In his mind, Ares and Mars had gone silent, but Frank thought he had heard other voices whispering in the side corridors, beckoning him to veer off course, to come closer and listen to them speak. Finally, they reached an archway carved in the shape of human skulls, or maybe they were human skulls embedded in the rock. In the purple light of Diocletian's scepter, the hollow eye sockets seemed to blink. Frank almost hit the ceiling when Hazel put a hand on his arm. This is the entrance to the second level, she said. I'd better take a look. Frank hadn't even realized that he'd moved in front of the doorway. Uh, yeah. He made a way for her. Hazel traced her fingers across the carved skulls. No traps in the doorway, but something is strange here. My underground sense is... It's fuzzy. Like someone is working against me, hiding what's ahead of us. The sorceress that Hecate warned you about? Jason guessed. The one Leo saw in his dream? What was her name? Hazel chewed her lip. It would be safer not to say her name. But stay alert. One thing I'm sure of. From this point on, the dead are stronger than the living. Frank wasn't sure how she knew that. But he believed her. The voices in the darkness seemed to whisper louder. He caught glimpses of movement in the shadows from the way his friend's eyes darted around. He guessed they were seeing things too. Where are the monsters? He wondered aloud. I thought Gaia had an army guarding the doors. Don't know, Jason said. His pale skin looked as green as the poison from the chalice. At this point, I'd almost prefer a straight-up fight. Careful what you wish for, man. Leo summoned a ball of fire to his hand, and for once, Frank was actually glad to see the flames. Personally, I'm hoping nobody's home. We walk in, find Ann, Percy and Annabeth, destroy the doors of death, and walk out. Uh, maybe stop at the gift shop. Yeah, Frank said. That'll happen. The tunnel shook. Rubble rained down from the ceiling. Hazel grabbed Frank's hand. That was close, she muttered. These passageways won't take more. The doors of death just opened again, Nico said. It's happening like every 15 minutes, Piper noted. Every 12, Nico corrected, though he didn't explain how he knew. We'd better hurry. Percy and Annabeth are close. They're in danger. I can sense it. As they traveled deeper, the corridors widened. The ceilings rose to six meters high, decorated with elaborate paintings of owls and the branches of white poplars. The extra space should have made Frank feel better, but all he could think of was the tactical situation. The tunnels were big enough to accommodate large monsters, even giants. There were blind corners everywhere, perfect for ambushes. The group could be flanked or surrounded easily. They would have no good op options for retreat. All of Frank's instincts told him to get out of these tunnels. If no monsters were visible, that just meant they were hiding, waiting to spring a trap. Even though Frank knew that, there wasn't much he could do about it. They had to find the doors of death. Leo held his fire close to the walls. Frank saw ancient Greek graffiti scratched into the snow. He couldn't read ancient Greek, but he guessed they were prayers or supplications to the dead, written by pilgrims thousands of years ago. The tunnel floor was littered with ceramic shards and silver coins. Offerings? Piper guessed. Yes, Nico said. If you wanted your ancestors to appear, you had to make an offering. 
Let's not make an offering, Jason suggested. Nobody argued. The tunnel from here is unstable, Hazel warned. The floor might... Well, just follow me. Step exactly where I step. She made her way forward. Frank walked right behind her. Not because he felt particularly brave, but because he wanted to be close if Hazel needed his help. The voices of the war gods were arguing again in his ears. He could sense danger. Very close now. Fai Zhang. He stopped cold. That voice. It wasn't Ares or Mars. It seemed to come from right next to him, like someone whispering in his ear. Frank? Jason whispered behind them. Hazel, hold up a second. Frank, what's wrong? Nothing, Frank murmured. I just... Pylos, the voice said. I await you in Pylos. Frank felt like the poison was bubbling back up there his throat. He'd been scared plenty of times before. He'd even faced the god of death. But this voice terrified him in a different way. It resonated right down in his bones as if it knew everything about him. His curse, his history, his future. His grandmother had always been big on honoring the ancestors. It was a Chinese thing. You had to appease the ghosts. You had to take them seriously. Frank always thought his grandmother's superstitions were silly. Now he changed his mind. He had no doubt the voice that spoke to him was one of his ancestors. Frank, don't move. Hazel sounded alarmed. He looked down and realized he'd, he'd been about to step out of line. To survive, you must lead, the voice said. At the break, you must take charge. Lead where? He asked aloud, then the voice was gone. Frank would, could feel its absence as if the humidity had suddenly dropped. Uh, big guy? Leo said. Could you not freak out on us? Please, and thank you. Frank's friends were all looking at him with concern. I'm okay, he managed. Just a voice. Nico nodded. I did warn you. It'll only get worse. We should... Hazel held up her hand for silence. Wait here, everybody. Frank didn't like it, but she forged ahead alone. He counted to 23 before she came back, her face drawn and pensive. Scary room ahead, she warned. Don't panic. Uh, those two things don't go together, Leo murmured. But they followed Hazel into the cavern. The place was like a circular cathedral, with the ceiling so high it was lost in the gloom. Dozens of other tunnels led off in different directions, each echoing with ghostly voices. The thing that made Frank nervous was the floor. It was a gruesome mosaic of bones and gems. Human femurs, hip bones, and ribs twisted and fused together into a smooth surface, dotted with diamonds and rubies. The bones formed patterns, like skeletal contortionists tumbling together, curling to predict the precious stones, a dance of death and riches. Touch nothing, Hazel said. Wasn't planning on it, Leo muttered. Jason scanned the exits. Which way now? For once, Nico looked certain, uncertain. This should be the room where the priests invoke the most powerful spirits. One of these passages leads deeper into the temples or to the third level in the altar of Hades himself. But which? That one, Frank pointed. In a doorway at the opposite end of the room, a ghostly Roman legionnaire beckoned to them. His face was misty and indistinct, but Frank got the feeling the ghost was looking directly at him. Hazel frowned. Why that one? You don't see the ghost? Frank asked. Ghost? Okay. If Frank was seeing a ghost that the Underworld kids couldn't see, something was definitely wrong. He felt like the floor was vibrating underneath him. Then he realized it was vibrating. We need to get to that exit, he said. Now! 
Hazel almost had to tackle him to restrain him. Wait, Frank, this floor is not stable and underneath. Well, I'm not sure what's underneath. I need to scout a safe path. Hurry then, he urged. He drew his bow and herded Hazel along as fast as he dared. Leo scrambled behind him to provide light. The others guarded at the rear. Frank could tell he was scaring his friends, but he couldn't help it. He knew in his gut they had only seconds before. In front of them, the legionnaire ghost vaporized. The cavern reverberated with monstrous roars, dozens, maybe hundreds of enemies coming from every direction. Frank recognized the throaty below of the earthborn, the screech of griffins, the, gut the guttural war cries of cyclops. All sounds he remembered from the Battle of New Rome, amplified underground, echoing in his head, even louder than the war god's voices. Hazel, don't stop, Nigo ordered. He pulled the scepter of Diocletian from his belt. Piper and Jason drew their swords as the monster spilled into the cavern. A vanguard of six armed earthborn threw a volley of stones that shattered the bone and jewel floor like ice. A fissure spread across the center of the room, coming straight toward Leo and Hazel. No time for caution. Frank tackled his friends, and three of them skidded across the cavern, landing at the edge of the ghost's tunnel as rocks and spears flew overhead. Go! Frank yelled, Go! Go! Hazel and Leo scrambled into the tunnel, which seemed to be the only one free of monsters. Frank wasn't sure that was a good sign. Two meters in, Leo turned. The others! The entire cavern shuddered. Frank looked back and his courage crumbled to dust. Dividing the cavern was a new 15 feet wide chasm, spanning only by two rickety stretches of bone flooring. The bulk of the monster army was on the opposite side, howling in frustration and throwing whatever they could find, including each other. Some attempted to cross the bridge, which creaked and crackled under their weight. Jason, Piper, and Nico stood on the near side of the chasm, which was good. They were surrounded by a ring of cyclops and hellhounds. More monsters kept pouring in from the side corridors, while griffins wheeled overhead, undeterred by the crumbling floor. The three demigods would never make it to the tunnel. Even if Jason tried to fly them, they'd be shot out of the air. Frank remembered the voice of his ancestor. At the break, you must take charge. We have to help them, Hazel said. Frank's mind raced, doing battle calculations. He saw exactly what would happen, where and when his friends would be overwhelmed, how all six of them would die here in this cavern. Unless... Frank changed the equation. Nico! He yelled. The scepter! Nico raised Diocletian's scepter, and the cavern air shimmered purple. Ghosts climbed from the fissure and seeped from the walls, an entire Roman legion in full battle gear. They began taking on physical form like walking corpses, but they seemed confused. Jason yelled in Latin, ordering them to form a ranks and attack. The undead just shuffled among the monsters, causing momentary confusion, but that wouldn't last. Hazel, Frank turned to Hazel and Leo. You two keep going. Hazel's eyes widened. What? No! You have to. It was the hardest thing Frank had ever done, but he knew it was the only choice. Find the doors. Save Annabeth and Percy. But! Leo glanced over Frank's shoulder. Hit the deck! Frank dove for cover as the volley of rocks slammed overhead. When he managed to get up, coughing and covered in dust, the entrance to the tunnel was gone. An entire section of the wall had collapsed, leaving a slope of smoking rubble. Hazel. Frank's voice broke. He had to hope she and Leo were alive on the other side. He couldn't afford to think otherwise. Anger swelled in his chest. He turned and charged toward the monster army. And that is the end of chapter 66. Wow. What an intense chapter. It suddenly turned from, you know, Frank being very nervous about this entire trip as a whole to now him taking charge of this entire process. It's, it's very, it's very, uh, 
it's it's good to see that Frank is, you know, he's slowly building up the, that confidence and he does have that potential. I mean, we saw it with the war games back in Camp Jupiter and he led the team to victory with his leadership skills. And I think that it's very important to highlight that we can see that charge, that initiative that Frank is also starting to get. And it's going to help him in the future. But what I'm, con- I think the, the concern that I have here is if that ancestor was leading them him towards doing the right thing, you know, um, could the ancestor potentially have influenced his decisions to send Hazel and Leo into the cavern and not just, um, you know, and not get everybody first and then send everybody towards the cavern? But we don't know what exactly was going through if a potential ancestor vo- uh, whispered into his head or not. But, um, yeah, those are my thoughts. Uh, th- overall, this was a very, in- this was a fascinating chapter to say the least. And we will go for a break, come back, and we will finish this episode with chapter 67 and a Q&A session. So see you then. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back from the break, and now we're going to read chapter 67, Frank. Frank was no expert on ghosts, but the dead legionnaires must have been all demigods, because they were totally ADHD. They clawed their way out of the pit, then milled about aimlessly, chest bumping each other for no apparent reason, pushing one another back into the chasm, shooting arrows into the air as if trying to kill flies, and occasionally out of sheer luck throwing a javelin, a sword, or an ally in the direction of the enemy. Meanwhile, the army of monsters got thicker and angrier, Earthborn threw volleys of stones that plowed into the zombie legionnaires, crushing them like paper. Female demons with mismatched legs and fiery hair, Frank guessed they were in Pusai, gnashed their fangs and shattered orders at the other monsters. A dozen cyclops advanced on the crumbling bridges, while seal-shaped humanoids, telkines, like Frank had seen in Atlanta, lobbed vials of Greek fire across the chasm. There were even some wild creatures in the mix, shooting flaming arrows and trampling their smaller allies under hoof. In fact, most of the enemies seemed to be armed with some kind of fiery weapon. Despite his new fireproof pouch, Frank found that extremely uncool. He pushed through the crowd of dead Romans, shooting through down monsters until his arrows were spent, slowly making his way toward his friends. A little late, he realized. Duh. He should turn into something big and powerful, like a bear or a dragon. As soon as the thought occurred, pain flared in his arm. He stumbled, looked down, and was astonished to find an arrow shaft protruding from his left bicep. His sleeve was soaked with blood. The sight made him dizzy, mostly made him angry. He tried to turn into a dragon with no luck. The pain made it too hard to focus. Maybe he couldn't change shape while wounded. Great, he thought. Now I find out. He dropped his bow and picked up a sword from a fallen... Well, he actually wasn't sure what it was. Some sort of reptilian lady warrior with snake trunks instead of legs. He slashed his way forward, trying to ignore the pain and the blood dripping down his arm. About five meters ahead, Nico was swinging his black sword with one hand, holding the scepter of Diocletian aloft with the other. He kept shouting orders at the legionnaires, but 
They paid him no attention. Of course not, Frank thought. He's Greek. Jason and Piper stood at Nico's back. Jason summoned gusts of wind to blast aside javelin and arrows. He deflected a vial of Greek fire right up the throat of a griffin, which burst into flames and spiraled into the pit. Piper put her new sword to good use while spraying food from the cornucopia in her other hand, using hams, chickens, apples, and oranges as interceptor missiles. The air above the chasm turned into a fireworks show of flaming projectiles, exploding rocks, and fresh produce. Still, Frank's friends couldn't hold out forever. Jason's friends were already beaded with sweat. He kept shouting in Latin, FORM RANKS! But the dead legionnaires wouldn't listen to him either. Some of the zombies were helpful just by standing in the way, blocking monsters and taking fire. If they kept getting mowed down, though, there wouldn't be enough of them to left to organize. Make way! Frank shouted. To his surprise, the dead legionnaires parted for him. The closest ones turned and stared at him with blank eyes as if waiting for further orders. Oh, great. Frank mumbled. In Venice, Mars had warned him that his true test of leadership was coming. Frank's ghostly ancestor had urged him to take charge, but if these dead Romans wouldn't listen to Jason, why should they listen to him? Because he was a child of Mars? Maybe because... The truth hit him. Jason wasn't quite Roman anymore. His time at Camp Half-Blood had changed him. Reyna had recognized that. Apparently, so did the undead legionnaires. If Jason no longer gave off the right sort of vibe or the aura of a Roman leader... Frank made it to his friends as a wave of Cyclops crashed into them. He lifted his sword to parry a Cyclops club and stabbed the monster in the leg, sending him back toward, backward into the pit. Another one charged. Frank managed to impale him, but blood loss was making him weak. His vision blurred. His ears rang. He was dimly aware of Jason on his left flank, deflecting the incoming missiles with wind. Piper on his right yelling charm speak commands, encouraging the monsters to attack each other or take a refreshing jump into the chasm. It'll be fun, she promised. A few listened, but across the pit, the Ampusai were countering her orders. Apparently, they had Charmsweek too. The monsters crowded so thickly around Frank that he could barely use his sword. The stench of their breath and body odor was almost enough to knock him out, even without the arrow throwing, throbbing in his arm. What was Frank supposed to do? He had a plan, but his thoughts were getting fuzzy. Stupid ghosts, Nico shouted. They won't listen, Jason agreed. That was it. Frank had to make the ghost listen. He summoned all his strength and yelled, Cohorts! Lock shields! The zombies around him stirred. They lined up in front of Frank, putting their shields together in a ragged defensive formation. But they were moving too slowly, like sleepwalkers, and only a few had responded to his voice. Frank! How did you do that? Jason yelled. Frank's head swam with pain. He forced himself not to pass out. I'm the ranking Roman officer, he said. They, uh, they don't recognize you. Sorry. Jason grimaced, but he didn't look particularly surprised. How can we help? Frank wished he had an answer. A griffin soared overhead, almost decapitating him with his talons. Nico smacked it with the scepter of Diocletian, and the monster veered into a wall. Orban formate! Frank ordered. About two dozen zombies obeyed. Struggling to form a defensive ring around Frank and his friends, it was enough to give the demigods a little respite. But there were too many enemies pressing forward. Most of the ghostly legionnaires were still wandering around in the daze. My rank, Frank realized. All these monsters are rank, Piper yelled, stabbing a wild sentry, centaur. No, Frank said. I'm only a centurion. Jason cursed in Latin. 
He means he can't control a whole legion. He's not of high enough rank. Nico swung his black sword at another griffin. <clears throat> well then, promote him! Frank's mind was sluggish. He didn't understand what Nico was saying. Promote him? How? Jason shouted in his best drill sergeant voice. Frank Zhang! I, Jason Grace, Praetor of the 12th Legion Fulminata, give you my final order. I resign my post and give you emergency field promotion to Praetor. With the full powers of that rank, take command of this legion. Frank felt as if, a, as if a door had opened somewhere in the House of Hades, letting in a blast of fresh air that swept through the tunnels. The arrow in his arms suddenly didn't matter. His thoughts cleared, his eyesight sharpened, the voices of Mars and Ares spoke in mind, strong and unified. Break them! Frank hardly recognized his own voice when he yelled, Legion! Agmen Formate! Instantly, every dead legionary in the cavern drew his sword and raised his shield. They scrambled toward Frank's position, pushing and hacking monsters out of the way until they stood shoulder to shoulder with the comrades. Arranging themselves in square formation, stones and javelins and fire rained down, but now Frank had a disciplined defensive line sheltering them behind a wall of bronze and leather. Archers! Frank yelled. Yaculary Flamas! He didn't hold out much hope. Hand would work. The zombies' bows couldn't be in good shape, but to his surprise, several dozen ghostly skirmishers knocked arrows in unison. Their arrowheads caught fire spontaneously, and a flying wave of death arch arced over the legion's line straight into the enemy. Cyclops fell, Centaur stumbled, a Telkine shrieked and ran in circles with a burning arrow impaled on his forehead. Frank heard a laugh behind him. He glanced back and couldn't believe what he saw. Nico D'Angelo was actually smiling. That's more like it, Nico said. Let's turn this tide. Cudio Formate, Frank yelled. Advance with Pila! The zombie line thickened in the center, forming a wedge designed to break through the enemy host. They lowered their spears in a bristling row and pushed forward. Earthborn wailed and threw boulders. Cyclops smashed their fists and clubs against the locked shields, but the zombie legionnaires were no longer paper targets. They had inhuman strength, hardly wavering under the fiercest attacks. Soon the floor was covered with monster dust. The line of javelins chewed through the enemy like a set of giant teeth, feeling, oh, felling ogres and snake women and hellhounds. Frank's archers shot griffins out of the air and caused chaos in the main body of the monster army across the chasm. Frank's forces began to take control of their side of the cavern. One of the stone bridges collapsed with more monsters kept pouring over the other one. Frank would have to stop that. Jason, he called, can you fly a few legionnaires across the pit? The enemy's left flank is weak. See? Take it! Jason smiled. With pleasure. Three dead Romans rose into the air and flew across the chasm. Then three more joined them. Finally, Jason flew himself across, and his squad began cutting through some very surprised-looking telkines, spreading fear through the enemy's ranks. Nico, Frank said, keep trying to raise the dead. We need more numbers. On it! Nico lifted the scepter of Diocletian, which glowed even darker purple. More ghostly Romans seeped from the walls to join the fight. Across the chasm, Impusai shouted commands in a language that Frank didn't know, but the gist was obvious. They were trying to shore up their allies and keep them charging across the bridge. Piper! Frank yelled. Counter those Impusai! We need some chaos. Thought you never ask. She started catcalling at the female demons. Your makeup is smeared. Your friend called you ugly. That one is making a face behind your back. Soon, the vampire ladies were too busy fighting one another to shout any commands. The legionnaires moved forward, keeping up the pressure. 
They had to take the bridge before Jason got overwhelmed. Time to lead the front from the front, Frank decided. He raised his borrowed sword and called for a charge. And that's the end of chapter 67. Wow, what a chapter. You can clearly see that Frank is ready to take on this. He is now elected praetor. And with the help of his, with the help of Jason, Piper, and Nico, they will be unstoppable against this army. I have no doubt that they're going to be able to get through this and get to the other side and meet up with Hazel and Leo. And I think that this overall just has boosted the self-esteem of Frank. I think that this, these two chapters really showed how initially frank was the frank was very reluctant although he's he's the demigod that has shape-shifting powers into whatever creature he thinks of he still feels that he doesn't contribute as much as compared to maybe jason or percy but this moment right here this moment i really hope is gonna boost his self-esteem and really tell him it really and really help him remind himself that he is important and that he does serve an importance to the group. This was definitely one of the. This was this was definitely my favorite set of chapters to read um, as of right now. But yeah, next week we will continue with this epic journey, um, and see how exactly Frank is going to lead the rest uh, lead the rest of the group and be able to reunite with the with. Hazel and Leo. So now moving on, we will move on to our Q&A and shout out session. Once again, I would like to give the disclaimer that if I miss your shout out, if your name or your question, um, I, 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 I deeply apologize. If you would like to uh, remind me in this episode, I will try my best to get you in the next episode. Once again, you can go to Spotify and they have the Q&A section in there and you can fill out your questions or your requests to be shouted out and I will try my best to get to you in the next episode. And once again, a disclaimer to the questions. If I unfortunately feel a bit too personal answering the questions, that is nothing on anybody's part. That is just the level of comfort, comfort that I have at this moment. Um, however, if I am comfortable answering those questions in future episodes, I will try my best to answer any questions you guys have. But at the moment, unfortunately, I do not, I don't, I do not think I will be able to answer those questions. So feel free to ask those questions, but I don't want anybody's feelings to be hurt if I'm not able to answer those questions. Now, moving on, let's move on, start with our shout out section. We have Ali Mumford, Alistair, Harrison, and Addie. Thank you very much. Now moving on to the questions. If you had to be enemies with any god, which one would you choose? Now this is fascinating because I do have a lot of... Um, I, I think that Hera would probably be my number one. Just because of how much you know pain and suffering she's put all these demigods through. Was it necessarily necessary? Potentially. But in the way and the method that she did it, I've, I think that it was the wrong method. Um, the, uh, the purpose was understandable, but the way that she did it, I would completely disagree with it. Um, next question is, can you rate the seven and Nico from most powerful to least powerful? It's a fascinating thing because they're all powerful in their own circumstances. 
in different situations, they would probably prove to be weaker or potentially stronger than the other. So, for example, if we were talking about water or anything related to water, we would probably have Percy and Jason at the top and maybe Piper and Leo at the bottom. If we were talking about going on, on into the underworld, we would probably have Nico and Hazel at the top and potentially Jason and... Annabeth at the bottom. It all depends on the situation. If we were at Daedalus's palace, Annabeth's intelligence and overall abilities would put her at the top. Um, I think that in general, I think it would probably depend on the situation. But I think objectively and in honesty, I think that they all have pretty balanced at powers. Do are some people more a bit more talented in potentially combat? Yes. Um, but I think that, again, I think that these books have showed that if they're able, if these demigods, if these seven plus Nico are able to work on their abilities, I think that that really is able to put them all at an evil, uh, even level playing field. Because right now at the moment, we might think that Percy and Jason are the strongest or, um, Frank is the strongest because of his ability to shapeshift. However, if we also realize there were also chapters in which Piper was also shown that she can also be just as powerful as these as these boys if she just is able to work on that charm speak ability a bit more. So just working on that ability, learning about yourself as well, I think that they will all be put on the same playing field inevitably because their potential and the potential to develop those abilities is remarkable. Um, so yeah, that, those are my thoughts on the seven. Um, sorry if it was uh, a bit of a vague answer, but those were my thoughts on ranking the seven. Um, next question is what is the background music you use? So in Spotify, um, especially Spotify for podcasters, uh, which is the, uh, one of the, uh, the sponsors for this, um, episode, it allows you to use a, a variety of music, and one of them is, is, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pronounce this right, but it's Tool Racer. Um, if you're able to download the pod, the, the app and you download and you want to start a new podcast, um, they have their own set of sounds, their own set of sound effects, their own set of intros, endings. They have everything that you need to start a podcast. So... If you guys would like to check out what music I'm using or anything like that, they are all available in the Spotify for Podcasters app. So I highly recommend you check that out if you would like if you're interested in the music or even in starting a new podcast. Next question is what upper god would you want to be your parents? I believe that when I took the godly parent quiz, um, I actually got a glitch, which was very funny to see. And I ended up getting Poseidon and Athena as my parents, which is very funny because they both hate each other, but I feel like that is also who I would want to be my parents because you have Athena who's this the goddess of war and the goddess of intellect the goddess of wisdom and then you have Poseidon who's the god of the sea I mean it's just a perfect pairing plus he's funny so you know you got a perfect pairing right there even if they hate each other so honestly I think those those two would be what I would want for my godly parents would they fight a lot probably but you know I think that it would be cool to see 
them as parents. Um, next question is, what other book recommendations do you have? Um, hmm. That's a hard one. Um, I would probably say, hmm, my all-time favorites were the I Survived series. Um, if you don't know what that series is, it's about these, um, all these natural disasters, real, I believe real life stories, um, or real life events. And they talk about all these natural disasters that occurred. And, uh, it's about these children. Uh, I think the children are, they don't, they're, they're fake, but, um, the events are real. So they talk about how like these children, if they were in those specific times in those specific periods, like the, um, for example, if a tornado happened, if a tsunami happened, um, how those kids would live through those um, times and how their experiences would have been impacted. Um, I probably that those are those were probably my favorite books. Um, it's definitely for a younger audience, but it's nonetheless a golden series of books. I definitely enjoyed it. Um, Magic Treehouse is also a wonderful series as well that I used to read a lot. Um, but yeah, so if you're, if you're, uh, you know, you're interested in reading some, some books and, you know, you just want to get some reading on, or even some nostalgia from, you know, good old books that you used to read when you were little, I'd highly suggest, uh, the I Survive series and the Magic Treehouse series. Um, but yeah, Thank you guys. That's all we have for questions. And I hope you guys enjoy this bonus episode. Uh, I, ha- I, want- I-, I had the time to make it uh, this week. So I wanted to um, give you guys an extra episode for all the um, effort that you guys give into listening to this episode. So um, thank you. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.